Hey friends, welcome to the Paulcast podcast. It's your man, Paul Doherty, right here. And I can't wait for you to listen or watch this podcast today. I've got three interviews coming at you. One of them is with a renowned pastor, author, leader, Pastor Chris Hodges of Highlands Church. And we get into all kinds of great topics around mental and emotional health, all around my book, Mind Games, as well as his own mind games that he walked through and he shares his story, it's really cool. Then you're gonna hear an interview between me and Banning Liebscher. Now, these interviews are like me at my house, on my phone with them, so they're very personal, uh, but I'm bringing you into them. And so Banning Liebscher is the pastor of Jesus Culture Church. You're gonna hear an interview between me and him all about what it's like as an author, releasing a book and just the highs and lows and the expectations and disappointments. And then also what he foresees right now in the church worldwide, why we need to be talking about this topic. And then lastly, you're gonna hear an interview between me and a guy named Joshua Broom. His testimony is incredible. I've actually never heard a testimony like his, uh, and I don't even wanna give it away. You just gotta stay and listen to it, it's powerful. And he shares about his upcoming book called Seven Lies That Can Destroy or Ruin Your Life. And so him and I talk about, both of our books are published by the same publisher and we both talk about mental and emotional healing and health. So I can't wait for you to listen to all of these, watch them. Uh, we're gonna just have one back to back to back. So it's all meshed together. So stay tuned right here on the podcast. We got more episodes coming in this semester and then we'll be taking a break sometime right after Easter, but don't miss any of these episodes. If you have missed a few in the past, go back and re-listen to them or watch them on our YouTube channel. Share it with your friends. Let's get right into the interviews. Welcome to the podcast. There you are, Pastor Chris. What'd you say, hey, my brother? What's up? Thanks for joining me. Oh, I'm thrilled to. Congratulations on the book, man. Hey, thank you so much. I literally forgot to bring it with me up to my office, so I'm sitting <laughs> uh, uh, But the book's called Mind Games. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think I have a copyright here somewhere. <laughs> oh, you got my, my copy's right over there. Yeah. Hey, I was just telling IG Live something crazy last night. I was at... Oral Roberts basketball game, my alma mater. And I get this phone call at the end of the game. One of our staff members, who's a dear friend, um, had a heart attack. And oh it was crazy. Um, he's close to my age. He's probably seven years older than me. And rushed to the hospital. And I was just telling IG Live, we, I was at the hospital with my wife and, and some of our staff till like 1 a.m. Oh and it was tough just sitting in that hospital um, with and, and he went on to be with the Lord. Oh my. So uh, we were praying for a miracle. We were praying for a turnaround and, and it didn't happen. But what I was thinking about as I was sitting there, I was crying. Uh, my wife was crying because we were very close to this guy. But I was thinking about how the hospital is a lot like the church. You have all these people coming in and nobody cares what you're dressed like. People came in their pajamas last night. People were yeah. in, you know, their house. Everybody's there because one, we all love this person, but we all are praying for hope. We're all praying for a miracle. Yeah. And I was thinking about, you know, people were talking about just their love for this guy. And then there were other people in the hospital room praying and crying for another person. And really this book, Mind Games is, it's about, it's really uh, like a mental and emotional ER. It's an emergency room for people who are overwhelmed with life, discouraged, feeling afraid, anxious. And as I was sitting in the ER last night, I was like, people need to know there's hope. People need to know after mm -hmm. they lose a loved one, 
that there's hope. And so I wanted to talk with you. Thanks for coming on, Pastor uh, Chris. And thrilled, dude. I want to hear about you. You've pastored for a long time. You're super successful. You pastor the largest church in the nation, maybe at, like top five in the world. I'm I'm always following what y'all are doing. By the way, the fast and the 21 day fast and prayer, you guys are leading the charge for the church. And a lot of our members are uh, engaged with you and following online. So thank you. But talk a little bit about just all these thoughts. Well, first of all, congratulations on the book. And it's, um, it's a conversation that the church has long needed to be a part of, honestly. Um, you know, it was one of those things, especially in our brand of, of church where we have, you know, strong faith that, you know, you're, you almost weren't permitted to bring your problem to the church. You were, you had to have faith, you know, and, and, and many people thought erroneously that if you had a problem or if you had especially mental issues or any issue for that matter, it, you, that was a lack of faith. And that, of course, isn't the truth. Uh, we all are are divinely saved. Our spirits are renewed, made just like Jesus. But this body and soul side of us struggle, like your 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 friend did uh, last night. I mean, nothing was wrong with his spirit. Uh, nothing. He was completely perfect, and he um, and he went to heaven perfect because his spirit man was perfect. Bodies give up; they just do. I'm wearing glasses. My eyes gave out. Right. So we all have parts of our bodies, but the same is true with our soul. Man, our souls give up, right? You know, and so, and and it's a conversation that I don't think the church has had for a while. I wrote a book a few years ago coming out of COVID, uh, out of the cave, same wow. thing. I went through um, a deep, dark depression season, and I'm not a depressed kind of a person. I'm, yeah. the glass is not even half full for me. It's always full all the way, you know, and, and, um, and so, but um, I thought, you know, just like you, and I, I, I'm so proud of you for being honest, because what they need is leaders like you and me just to share real life stories, because you can be an overcomer. You know, in this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said, but take heart, I've overcome. Yep. And so the, the gospel story isn't that if you get saved, your life is perfect. The gospel story is, is that if you find Jesus, you have a solution. And oh. thank you for bringing us to that solution, my friend. So I'm proud of you. No, that's so good. And I think, yes, like, I was talking with one of our friends, Mike, the other night, and I think some people do buy into a false Christianity that once I get saved, God's going to deliver me and no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. And I'm always going to be free from trouble. But that scripture, no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. Like one, that's taken out of context a lot of times for people in the middle of trials and circumstances. And the truth is, like you said, Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart you will overcome. Yeah. And I think that I love that you wrote a book about this. And I read your full book on uh, the Daniel dilemma. I haven't got to read your full book on the cave, but I think a lot of pastors and not just pastors, but a lot of people in the church are afraid to admit that they walk through their own depression. And I know you talk about that in your book. I talk about that in my book. Why do you think it is that, like you said, 20, 30, 40 years ago, there was such a um, a faith stance to not talk about our problems and to not talk about any emotional, you know, struggles. Why do you think that that was the case? And now that you feel like something's starting to turn since 2020, since COVID and, and, and really in the last five years, it seems. Yeah, I really don't have a real answer for you other than the fact that it's very real. The stigma definitely exists. And even today, if someone said, man, I got the flu, you wouldn't think any less of them. But if somebody came to you and said, I'm struggling with mental illness, 
you think less of them when really that part of your your brain is just an, a part of your body just like like your eyes are or you know if i said i broke my arm you wouldn't think oh my god he's struggling no i just broke my arm my arm my arm's not working but when our brain when our mind is not working well sometimes we tend to put people into this category of wow you've got real issues. And really, the truth is, it's an organ and a part of our body that needs to be treated well, just like the rest of our bodies, you know? And there are, so that's, the, that's the great news is there are real solutions. In the research that I did, uh, Paul, um, I found out that most of the causes of anxiety and depression aren't, aren't genetic, but there are a few that are. My own son struggles. Uh, I have an autistic son who, who obviously, with that particular spectrum, that issue that he deals with, you know, he struggles mentally. And for two years, he was suicidal. And he takes medication that totally, in his own words, Dad, this is the first time in my life all the wires connect. And he's living a very successful life through something that doctors were able to fix. But seven of the nine causes of depression aren't psychosomatic. They're, I mean, they're not um, um, genetic, they're psychosomatic they're, or psychosocial. There are things we're doing to ourselves, the way we live our lives, the busyness, the, the things we allow in our minds and our hearts, what we allow to land, our rumination, uh, our loneliness. And those are some solvable things. So I'm so glad we're having this conversation because um, I'm not really sure why there was a stigma other than we just look down on people who struggle in their minds when really that's just another part of a person's body that needs that needs healing from Jesus, but sometimes it, there are things that can happen medically as well so yeah you know i was thinking about the medical part when i was writing this book uh, my publisher they were talking to me and they were like you've got to make sure that people know it's not bad to take medicine and i was like absolutely and i said why why would that even need to be mentioned and they said because there's a lot of pastors who are afraid to even admit that mm -hmm. and have a hard time accepting that medical help is somehow a loss to people's faith or anti-faith and maybe just talk a little bit about that in, in, in what you just described you know in the book mind games we're talking about all kinds of different struggles um, and some people may call disorders some other people may call you know just symptoms feelings uh, but we talk about depression we talk about anxiety we talk about PTSD we talk about the just the racing thoughts like someone can't sleep at night because the racing thoughts constantly are there, not just one day, but months, years. So talk about the encouragement for believers and maybe even pastors that are out there to understand how medical help and the Bible and all of the tools that God gives us can work together. Well, yeah, I, I, I can talk about it because I personally live it, right? So because I have this son who actually, uh, again, was, was, was born with autism uh, he didn't say a word before he was almost three and a half years old. We didn't know what was going on. We had him tested, found out he had heavy metal mercury uh, poisoning in his mind, actually did some chelation therapy on him. And immediately he's talking like a, like a <laughs> college professor. I mean, he was just rattling off all these things that were locked in his mind simply because he was dealing with this, you know, these toxins that were stored in his mind. So ever since then, we've been on this journey of helping him, you know, basically what his issue is, is that uh, his body throws off the good stuff and he stores the bad. So your body is designed to 
you know, to, to when, when you're exposed to toxins, and if you're breathing air, you're receiving toxins in your body, right? And so your body's designed beautifully by God to take those toxins and, you know, and, and eliminate them out of your body. His, unfortunately, stores them in his mind, and it creates this situation that he's going on. Um, we then found out the foods and the things that cause that, and now he stays off of it, and he, he eliminates most of the toxins that come in his body, but he still went through a period of life where, you know, just nothing connected. And he loves God. He's, a you know, um, just a wonderful young man. He's the youngest of my five children. And, um, and, and so we started looking for medical solutions, Paul. I mean, we just said, you know, we've trusted God and believe God. And I still pray for him every day, by the way, to be completely healed of autism. I've never lost my faith. Yeah. My son, uh, every day. And I, and I truly believe God's going to heal him. Um, but, but, but. You know, if you break your arm, you're not going to say, well, I'm just going to believe God this is going to come together. You're probably going to go get a cast on your arm, right? So yes. that's not a lack of faith to treat something that's broken. And that's what that this is. This is a part of his body, which is his mind, that is broken. And so anyway, when we found this, this particular doctor that was able to say, hey, look, I think we can try this with no side effects whatsoever. And he's going he's gonna to be fine. And literally on the third day of him taking this medication, I'll never forget it, Paul, because two years for two years he said dad i can't i can't live i have mm. to die and you don't you nobody knows how that feels unless you've been through it when your own son comes up to you every day for more than two years and says i have to die wow we couldn't leave him alone we had to travel with him everywhere we had we, he was never alone because we didn't know if he might you know harm himself in some kind of way it was scary actually and then when we found this doctor who actually was able to help him some, uh, on the third day, he said, Dad, for the first time in my life, all these wires are connected in my mind. I saw peace on his face and I saw everything come together and it was the most beautiful thing. And, and now he's, you know, he's, he's, he's on our, our maintenance team at the church and he says he does manual labor. You know, he works hard and he's just a good, good kid. And he's 26 now, long past that. And so still lives with us. Um, but he's 26 years old functioning well and just loves God and serving God and working hard. And um, so I know there's that part of it, but also don't discount the faith side that we believe we, I believe that God can address every issue of our life, yeah. <laughs> your marriage, your health, you know, your broken arm. I think God can touch every part of your life. And so I think there is, I think it is important. And I think your publisher and your, was right for you to say, Hey, look, make sure people know, because if we're not careful, even in our hope-filled messages of how you can control your mind, we could inadvertently communicate to people who are in that. I think, I think one study said it's about 15% of the people who are struggling mentally. It is a genetic issue. 85%, it's usually a lifestyle-related issue or something that happened to you. So like a, like a hurt or a wound or, or it just could be their busyness of life. They found out that if you live a sedentary life, if you're sitting in front of your computer eight hours a day, that you have a higher likelihood of mental illness, right? So a lot of these things are lifestyle related. Um, but, um, but the good news is that both solutions should be in play at the same time. And there's always hope in Jesus name. Yeah, there's always hope. And I love that we can have both. We can have faith in God to do the supernatural, the impossible. You and I are both faith believing you know preachers and and we we share the message of hope 
but we also can embrace that God gives us the practical tools of a healthy diet, medical help, counseling, therapy, all the different tools that bring victory in the mind. And, uh, and I forgot that you have five kids. I got five kids too. It is a lot. (laughs) I want to ask you this as a pastor who's raised five kids, you had five kids, I think in your house while you started your church. And then obviously, they all grew up at Highlands and now your youngest is, is still with you. But tell me, cause I, my oldest is 10 years old. My youngest is two. Um, I stepped in to pastor victory right when our first child was born. So all five of them have been born since, you know, I've been pastoring. Tell me just a little bit, cause I know the, the mind games for pastors and leaders out there. I wrestle with just trying to, to please everybody trying to help my kids trying to help my wife trying to help our staff trying to be there for people and i know my dad passed away at a young age at 57 he had four kids he was always helping people talk about the mind games for pastors and leaders out there how do we win the victory of feeling like we're enough learning to take a break learning to have healthy rhythms learning to conquer the mind games of getting up every Sunday to preach and wondering if people are getting anything out of our messages and wondering if, you know, if we're really doing okay at all this. Yeah. So for me, that, that battle is one first thing in in the day. So I, I, there's a direct correlation in my life to my, my time with God in the morning to the rest of my life, every decision, every fear, every, uh, how everything you just described works inside of me. And so, um, probably one of the greatest tools or lessons that I've learned that I would pass on to people. And that is, it's not all's well that ends well. It's all's well that begins That's well. And when, you, and when you, you can, before the kids get up and before the Sunday sermon and before all those things have that time with God, that's been my source of strength is that time in the garden every morning, you know, where I walk with God and I'm very faithful to it. I'm a disciplined person by nature. So it's easy for me. It's not easy for some people. But it's very easy for me, but I don't know where my life would be without um, taking thoughts captive first thing in the morning. Because this is what I've learned. I've I've celebrated this year, Paul. I don't know if you know this, but I'm six. I celebrated turning 60 years old and 40 years of ministry. And so I I called it my 60 40 year. So come on. um, Yeah. And so I have a little bit of experience and 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 I I know how this (laughs) I know how this works. and uh, but I would encourage people. There's something powerful about that morning time because it's weird. It's almost like every victory you won today, something happens overnight, and I have to do it again every day. Give me this day my daily bread. Yeah. And and so my encouragement for people is even when you're walking through your victories, it's, and it's like okay, my messages did land, and I am a good father, and well, that was good for that, that day. There's a maintenance side of this so we get the victory but there's a maintenance side of this that i think god intended and my personal belief is the reason why he did that is because he loves us being dependent upon him he loves us needing him every day he doesn't want us just to get the victory like okay god i got it i'll let you know next time i need you now he wants this daily walk this 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 time with him every day and so i kind of like and this is not theological to be correct, but get the spirit of it. But I kind of get saved all over again every day. I start over and say, Lord, today I choose to serve you. 
and I love you. I'm going to follow you. And today, God, I'm going to win the, the battle of my mind. I have, a, I have a set of declarations that I make every day about who I am. Uh, it's very short, but it's like a one page. I just read it. And I'm going to live for the church. I'm going to live for lost people. I'm going to serve my family today, God, and just get my mind right every single day. And, and, and that's one of the things I've learned about how do you navigate, you know, five kids, a church and all of that. It's just every day, every day, every day. Yeah. One day at a time, yes, starting with the word of God, starting in the morning. That's really good. Well, you know, this is my first book you've written. How many books have you written? Six. Not that many, just six. Yeah. What's your advice for me as an author? You know, I'm trying to get this message out. And one thing I wrestle with is I, I never want to come across like self-promotion. Look at me, look at me. But I also am like, I believe in this message and I believe people need it. And I really want people to get this message. And I would give the whole world a book if I could. Yeah. Uh, because I want people to know there's victory. Like they don't have to stay. And I know not everybody's like defeated or discouraged, but I think everybody faces mind games. Everybody has a battle in their mind, um, whether they are succeeding or whether they are feeling like they're failing in some area. But how do you balance as an author, the desire to get the message out, but also that fear of like, I don't want people to think it's that I'm just pushing myself or pushing my book about, for some reason, for other, for other reasons, you know? Well, yeah, I hate to speak for others and, it's, and including you, but for me, I just don't have to need, I don't need it. I think, I think we we'll get to a place where I don't need it. I don't need it to be successful. I don't personally don't need it. I want the message to be successful, but I don't need it. I think we have to find all of us for all of our ambitions, all of our goals. If that defines you, if the success of your goals defines you, you're probably in trouble. If yeah. The success of your life is that just to please God, really, and to fulfill uh, the Great Commission. Honestly, I'm just trying to get God's agenda and God's vision, vision done on this earth. That's what I wake up thinking about every day is lost people getting saved, saved people getting pastored, pastored people being discipled, discipled people being mobilized, um, I, and, and all that to bring glory to him. I have written some books, too, and yeah, you get your heart and soul into them in that kind of way. But I tell the Lord every day that if he wants me to do something else, I'll do it. And if he wants me to work for somebody else, I'll do it. And and you chose me. I'm in your army. Put me where you want to put me. I'm happy to serve you. So I think there's that part of it first, just to say, I'm going to release it. I don't, I'm never going to let the success of anything, including a book, define me. After that, though, Paul, I would say what I've learned to get the word out is just, is just to figure out ways to make it a resource to the people who actually need it. So what I've done with my books is I've turned it into small group curriculum because I think churches need small group curriculum. And so a lot of people are using it in that kind of a way. I've actually written it. I would encourage you to do it. Uh, you know, either preach a series of sermons on this and then send us all your notes, like, and I'll help you distribute them. I have a, you know, we, we influence about 18,000 churches wow. and we'll get your, we'll get your sermon message notes out and that let guys turn this into a series. Wow. And so, and then, you know, and that's what I've done with my books. I like, if you like this, preach it and help, let me help it, you know, use it for your church. And then, and then, you know, I'm sure your publisher will help you too uh, get this where they can order them in bulk at lower rates too, so that churches can get them in mass quantities. But if they want to do a series, we'd love to do a series on mind games. I think that's a phenomenal, I love, it's a catchy title, 
but it's something that everybody's battling with every day. But that's a great idea too. It's just, man, just get, get this as a resource to the, to me, the, 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 the mouthpieces of the body of Christ are pastors and, and communicators. And so let's, let's get it out there to them. Um, and so I'll help you too, man. If you want to turn this into some sermon series, um, and then if you preach them first, we can all watch, watch how you did it too. And, you know, and follow the pattern and God, cause one thing I've learned pastors and churches are needing those kind of tools. And then of course that's going to get to the people. Wow. And there's a lot of people out there who could use this incredible message. Man, thank, thank you, Pastor Chris. That's amazing. I'm like trying to contain myself over here. I want to like do a victory lap. Uh, yeah, no, I, everything you just said is something I haven't thought about. Like a workbook, that's an incredible idea. A small group study guide. I think, you know, I, I forget about these ideas. And now that you're saying, I'm like, that's true. I went through a small book, uh, a small group study guide as a teenager through John Bevere's books. And now that you're saying, I'm like, yes, people need a, a, a yep. study guide on how to win the battles in the mind. Uh, so that's really good. Pastor Chris, thank you for taking time to talk. And I don't know if you got any last thoughts or anything you want to share, uh, but I just really appreciate you. You are a gift to my wife and I, to the body of Christ. I texted you a couple months ago because I was just reflecting on people I really mm -hmm. admire, really look up to and respect. And you are right at the top of that list. Pastor Larry Stockstill is- Who's just, my pastor. Yeah. Yeah. A hero. And- um, Yeah. I just am really thankful for you, Pastor Chris. I want you to preach if you can this year at Victory. I think you you always bring such a powerful word to the body of Christ. But any thoughts that you want to share here at the end or uh, anything else? Well, thank you. I appreciate it so much. And I would love, always love to, anything to serve you. I don't I don't get out a lot to, to a lot of churches, but I do to the people that I love. And, and so it would be a yes uh, to you and Ashley. So, uh, and I'm proud of you guys. You guys stepped into a tough situation you know, when your dad just unexpectedly went to be with the Lord. And, and I have marveled, honestly, at the, at the uh, maturity, spiritual maturity that has been on your life uh, with someone who was really just kind of thrust into that situation. And you built a great work and you're, 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 I'm proud of you. I, I see you as a, as a little brother and I'm proud of you very, very much. And so I think my final thought for people is, is that um, there is hope. You know, you don't, don't, just don't get to the place where you say, well, this is just what I'm mm. going to be, you know, because mm. look, I was talking about this last January and this was my resolution last year. And so I guess this is just who I am. Mm. And uh, you've got to be careful of that. One of the, uh, the, the, the lessons that I taught in Out of the Cave, the, the, the book on depression that I wrote, and I used the meta, I used the story of Elijah in the cave in First Kings 19. And, and one of the things that happened to Elijah is that he kept lying to himself. You know, wow. here, here I am, I'm the only one left, you know, and, and you know, I, I'm gonna be the next one to die. He was, and, and he knew he wasn't the only one left. If you go back into 1 Kings 18, they were already yeah. there. So, but he kept lying, you know, and so we gotta be careful of the lies that we tell ourselves. We need to speak that truth. Yeah. So the truth is what sets us free. And, and, and the word stronghold in the Bible, you know, we, we have to break strongholds about the second Corinthians 10 says, the word is ukurama in the Greek. And it literally means someone who is trapped by a lie. And the mm. best, best picture of that, Paul, 
is when they train elephants, they chain them by the leg. But after they've been chained by the leg and they know they're chained, they can put a rope around that elephant's leg and the elephant won't try to break it. The elephant could snap that rope with, with 1% of their strength. Wow. But they, they, when they feel the tension of that rope around their leg, they think, oh, it's the chain and it's not the chain. <laughs> okay, it's a lie. You've been trapped, deceived by a lie. And so we break strongholds, how? By taking captive every thought, mind games. Yes. So, and when we take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ, what is that? That's the word of God. When it lines up, when our thoughts line up with what God says about who you are. And that's why I think these daily declarations of this is who I am. This is, I am, I'm a pastor. I'm a dad of five. I'm, the, I'm a husband who serves my wife. I live for the lost. I'm going to raise up a generation of young leaders. And you start confessing the things about who you are, my daily declarations. Um, man, now you're, now, you're, now you're replacing the lie with the truth. And that's the secret of being an overcomer. So, and thanks for giving us a tool, my friend. I really mean that. Thank you for giving us a tool to help people do that. Thank you. And thank you for saying yes to uh, coming to preach at Victory sometime. And thank you for believing in us. Thank you for championing just this message and, and sharing your story. Um, I remember coming to a, a several of your round tables with other mm -hmm. pastors and we all, all of us pastors, we have mind games and you spoke so much encouragement and you continue to do this. You pour your heart and your life into pastors, leaders to help raise up more churches that are discipling people to mm -hmm. win the victory minds. And one time you asked me something, you were at our church and you said, um, you were giving me some feedback because I asked for it. I said, hey, give me your honest feedback. And it wasn't like perfect. It wasn't, it was like you had some good, healthy, constructive criticism. And I was discouraged. I was like, man, I feel so discouraged by that. And you go, why? And I said, because I thought I was doing better than I was. And you said, well, you're doing better, but you have room to grow. And you said, do you want to get better or do you want to stay the same? Because you can't do both. Yeah. And you had, you had just a a great perspective on the encouragement to always desire to grow and get better in areas and it really helped me that was honestly in 2016 yep. that following year in a healthy way to bring just a greater level of excellence in our in our organization and so I just appreciate you challenging all of us to keep growing and to not settle yeah. for where we well, are thank you my friend uh, it's, it's been a joy to watch you grow and uh, Come back to one of my roundtables. I'd love to have yes. you back again. Yes, sir. All right. Love you, Pastor Chris. Love you too, my friend. Danny. What's going on? What up, bro? How are you? I'm good. I'm sitting at the gas station. Do you know how, how, much, how happy it makes me that this is where we're at right now, that we can just do these <laughs> things forever at a gas Come station? On. And we don't even care anymore. At first, when we were doing Instagram Lives, we had to make sure everything was good. Now we're like, do we do it anywhere? Dude, well, well I know we were going to have, we were, I was, we were scheduled to have this earlier, but I, I had to go to the gym. I've not been at the gym enough this year. I was like, Monday's my day off. I'm going to go to the gym. We're going to have this IG Live. And so I, I was a little too late to drive back to the office. So we're doing it here in the car. No, I you love it. Great. We could have a whole episode right now on how mental health uh, is greatly helped when you take care of your physical yes. health. 
That's what we can do. Coming out of the gym, why it's so important to take care of yourself physically and nutritionally. Come on, bro. And then I just do the come and go and I get my big gulp. <laughs> how are you? How was, how was church on Sunday? So good. God's been doing really good stuff. We, we went pretty hard after, uh, uh, as, as Christians, we need to be submitting to the word of God. I, I came up with my own phrase, Christian humanism. We, we believe in God. We just still keep ourselves at the center because we don't want to submit to his word. But yes, we had a great Sunday. God's been doing really incredible stuff. I've been really encouraged by what God's doing in our midst. Come on, man. I was following the pastors and leaders conference, just listening to all of it. It looked amazing. And I appreciate you, bro. Just, uh, you actually gave a, like an encouragement endorsement, I guess, in, in my book that just came out. So thank you for doing that in the midst of your busy life and schedule. And, um, you and I have had lots of conversations around just this whole message, this topic of mind games. So I wanted to jump on IG Live to talk with you just about life, leadership, pastoring, but also about this book and just your thoughts overall about just the, the crisis in our, not just in the world, but in churches across the world um, of people battling mind games and how to win that, you know, what's your experience with that? So just you talk, man. I'm going to listen, and then we'll just go back and forth a little bit. Well, I told you this. I think I wrote this in the endorsement as well, that I think this is something we have to be talking about, and we have to be equipping people around. I think it's probably not something we've talked much about, and I don't think that there's been a lot of – I know for me, and I love my parents. I adore my parents, of course. They did a good job with me. But I was never really taught growing up kind of emotional health and mental health and kind of the different things that you have to do to pay attention to that. And so, you know, I mean, I, I grew up as an athlete too. So part of what you do as an athlete is, is you just, you, you ignore pain and suck it up. Like it was like, it's like a, it, it's a sign of like that you're a legit athlete. If somebody comes and goes, you know, how's your ankle? It's fine. It's fine. And you go play hurt. Like, you know, and so, so I remember, I'll tell you a funny story, but you know, as, as, as parents, um, my son's played, been played basketball his whole life. He's a senior, but you know, he'd be like, in, I mean, this is probably in sixth grade. Us dads would be up there. And I remember sitting next to a dad and his, his son went down in the game was like, hold his ankle. And the dad just is sitting up there and he's like, he just yells, the moms are all worried. And the moms are like, Oh no. And the dad goes, get up. Get up. <laughs> My son, eighth grade, he's playing basketball. And one of his teammates asked to come out of a game because he was tired. I drove home with my son and I said, Lake, listen to me right now. If you ever <laughs> ask to come out of a game, if you ever embarrass me as your dad by asking to come out of a game, son, you better have a broken leg and I better actually see a bone protruding out of your leg for you to come out of a game. So my point is, I love we joke it. about it. We joke about it. And for athletes, you know, for athletes, I'm like, yeah, suck it up, suck it up. But I think honestly for, for people, that has kind of transitioned into other parts of life and it's just hurting mm -hmm. them. Like we don't stop long enough to know, yeah. I think I've got something going on. I think something's happening to you. Even stop long enough to go like, how is my emotional health? How is my mental health? Are there lies that I'm believing? What's happening with this thing? You know, 
and we don't stop long enough. We kind of put our head down and suck it up and just work through pain. And, and, and I think that we're seeing the result of that in, in, in unhealthy ways. And uh, we have many friends, obviously, that have burnt out and struggled or are not thriving. And, and a lot of it is just like, we just don't stop long enough to go, no, something's going on, man. <laughs> like you should pay attention to that. And what are ways to be healthy? So I, I, that's one of the reasons why I think I appreciated what you were writing about and why I think we need to be talking about it because even everybody watching right now, either live or later, I think you gotta stop long enough to go, is every area of my life healthy? Yeah. Is my emotional life healthy? Is my mental life healthy? Is my physical life healthy? Is my spiritual life healthy? Like it matters. Yeah. So that's why I love you talking about it. Well, and something that I really love about you, well, the first time I met you was when we had to schedule to come and speak last second, two days before our conference. And someone was like, you should have Banning, uh, my friend Mark. And I was like, yes, I, I've heard about Banning. I've never listened to him preach. And I called you and you came at a moment's notice, preached such a powerful sermon. And I don't know if you remember it, but it was about gratitude yeah. and you talked about board. You talked about your son's basketball game, which now all three of my sons play basketball. On Saturdays, I'm at kids' basketball games all day. I'm at their practices during the week. Uh, but I'm, I'll never forget that story. And then after that, you followed up with me and you were like, hey, I want you to come once a year, pull away, be around some guys, and just get encouraged and just have some iron sharpening iron. And since then, I've come every year that you've invited me to a group with pastors and with leaders. And it's so good and healthy uh, just to take time yeah. to, yeah, like you said, to, to pull away and then just to go, Lord, where, where are the areas in my mind or heart that I just need to draw closer to you? And, and there's other pastors and leaders that can just speak life in you. At those gatherings, you take time to really pour into us and... Uh, there's not a pastor out there, nor is there a person out there. Sorry, my phone's sliding. I apologize. <laughs> I mean, this like I'm in my car. You don't even so my- understand how much I love every single moment of this <laughs> right now. So fantastic. Oh gosh, I feel bad. It's not professional, but it's, I, it's me. Uh, I, I I'm getting I'm getting less and less attracted to professional. I can tell you that right now. I'm I'm more and more moved by just real life raw. But keep going. Hey, speaking of that. Yesterday, I was driving to church with three, our three, three boys. We have three boys, two girls. And my oldest son, is, he's now old enough to sit up front with me. So yeah, he is. He's sitting up front. He feels like the biggest, coolest dude. He's a 10-ager is what he calls himself. Not a teenager, but a, a 10-ager because he's 10 years old. But he oh, looks, my gosh. He looks at me and looks at me up and down. He goes, Dad, I like the way you dress. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you dress um, in a way that makes everybody feel like we don't have to be perfect. <laughs> and I was like, this in this compliment, I started laughing. And he goes, no, no, no. He's like, it's just that you don't really dress sharp. And I, <laughs> I was like, hold on. I go, I'm going to dress really sharp next Sunday. Just uh, suit, tie, tuxedo, the whole thing's happening. Like, no, 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 no. I do dress sharp, but I do wear jeans a lot. And he was like, no, no. Like it's good. He's like, there's a lot of preachers who only preach in a suit and tie. And he's like, I'm really glad you're like jeans. And oh my he's God. like, perfect. You're like, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I yeah. think. Thank you. So my wife laughed so hard about that. She was like, so that's classic. Perfectionist. And so we're trying to help him to just 
learned that like, hey, life is not perfect, you know. But going back to what we were saying, um, I think I actually don't know what we were uh, saying, but it was. Yeah, I will say this. You were talking about uh, pastors and different things like that. I will say, I think it's one of the reasons why um, community is so important. I, I personally think that when we get isolated, it, you know, you're talking about other, you know, other people sharpening you, other people in your life. There's, there's something about community, like people that really are in your life, people that really know you, that, that really does bring health, that really does help with the mind games. So much of the mind games you talk about are just lies we're believing and different things that are going on. And there's something about community that comes in that goes, hey, what, like that's a, what, what are you believing there? What's happening there? What's going on there? And uh, I think it's, you know, biblically, if we want to bring the Bible into it, but I think this would happen with Elijah. Elijah gets separated and isolated. And when he got isolated, he began to struggle. He began to struggle so much in his isolation. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think that, the, that, that we're not called just to struggle, but in order to really get to that place of strength and health and all the things that you talk about in the book, I, 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 think, I think one of the main key factors is the thing of going against isolation by surrounding yourself with, with community and uh, friends and all that stuff. I think it's so huge. Yeah. Well, and in the book, in Mind Games, I talk about the whole story of Elijah, and I remember you preaching on this, so I might have used some of your ideas from well, this. I'm sure I stole somebody else's ideas, so it's all it's a circle of life, my friend. Well, I remember you sharing about how in Elijah's depression, he spirals from depression. Uh, well, really, he, like, he allowed Jezebel's voice to get yep. in his head. And I talked about the book, how you can have Jesus in your heart, yep. but Jezebel That's such a good word. Like you could be a follower of Jesus, but still have mind games of yes. feeling like you're not good enough or that you don't measure up in the eyes of certain people or someone else's approval of you. Is so important that it drives you into a place of fear, intimidation, anxiety, and then in Elijah's case, depression and suicide and, yeah. or suicidal thoughts. And yeah. The desire to just be, be done and like I'm out. And God doesn't abandon him. God doesn't forsake chases him and you said this sermon sometimes all you need is a good meal and a good nap totally 100 uh, so i totally used that in the book but i talk about my own personal story and journey of just you know walking through the struggle after my dad passed yeah. of our church for just a lot of like seasons of pain and bleeding yeah. and trying to find hope in that place there's people out there probably watching now or even will watch this later that need to be reminded there's always hope no matter how bad life gets there's still hope there's still light at the end of the tunnel do you want to speak to that a little bit yeah and i think it's one of the things i appreciated about your book was you actually get real raw honest share real life stuff because people are going through extremely difficult things and, and they're, they're wrestling through that stuff. And the other thing, I, I know we're gonna wrap up pretty quick, but the other thing for me is, uh, I love that you're talking about what you had to walk through through the loss of your father, uh, but, but also the fact that Jezebel's voice gets in Elijah's head. The reality is, is the generation we live in right now has more voices coming at them than any time in history. So like, like before, it was kind of the voice of your neighbor. 
It was the voice of a magazine you got. Now it's just like you wake up, open your phone, and there are so many voices. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta sneeze. There are no, so many there are so many voices coming at you. And I think so much of the mental health you know, so much of what people are going through in their mind that, that, that you're addressing is because they're just being inundated with so many voices, so many lies, so much pressure. And I think we have, you know, we're, we're in this world, but not of it. We're going to have to learn how to, uh, I remember a preacher talking about how Daniel lived above Babylon. Yeah. That 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 even though he lived there, he lived above Babylon. How can we live above all that's happening in the world that is really going after our mind? Well, and let me ask you this, Manny. You know, what are you? You're like 37 years old, 38. <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit older than that. G okay. Give or take 10 years. Uh, give or take 10 years, yes. Let me ask you this. Do you think that people... Uh, ever get to a place where there's zero mind games in their life? Or do you feel like it's going to be there the rest of our life? We just have to figure out how to win it. Uh, yeah, no, I think that, I think it's, I, what I find is, is, is that the more aware you become, the more that you really hold on to truth, the, that, that when these things come, you're able to deal with them quicker. Yeah. Or you're able to see the two options. It's almost like a line of truth come and you go oh i know it uh, i choose the truth so it's not like there's never wrestling it's not like there's never multiple options that are trying to come at you but you just kind of quicker get to oh that's truth i'm going there and um and i think that's the process of sanctification is is that we're just constantly growing we're constantly being developed and so sometimes it's like oh man something happened with me and it's it just spun me out for three weeks and then a year later, something similar happens, but it only spun you out for three days. And you're like, okay, all right. I, okay, I'm, I'm making progress in recognizing truth quicker and getting to that place where I'm able to take ca thoughts captive. And like that type of stuff, it's just a continual process of growth. I think that's really good. Some guy just pulled up with a massive subwoofer system. Of course he did, dude. <laughs> That's Oklahoma, baby. I, I'm assuming oh he's in like, I'm assuming he's in some four by four jacked up truck with like, you know, some camo on it and, and, and some uh, antler stickers. Oh yeah. That's, that's what I assume in California. That's just what I assume in California is everybody's driving in Oklahoma. Yeah. In Oklahoma, it gets wild. Well, and like to what you were saying, I think it's really good to point out that the older we get, not just in age, but spiritually, the longer we're following Jesus, we should be getting quicker yes. in our ability to win the mind games yes. and to not allow the enemy to mess with our heads yeah. and send us down a spiral of anxiety. I was talking with a, a pastor that you and I both know, and he's probably 70 years old. And this was a couple weeks ago. He said, um, he said, you know, Paul, the older I get, I still have to battle feelings of loneliness, feelings of discouragement, you know, wondering, um, if, if, if things are gonna get better in certain areas that I've prayed for, for my family, my kids, grandkids. But he said, similar to what you said, I spend less time on the negative thought or emotion. And as soon as it comes up, like whatever that negative thought, feeling, emotion is, I immediately bring it back to prayer and yeah. believing God. 
and then speaking it over myself. And that encouraged me because I was like, I think the body of Christ needs to know we all struggle with thoughts and feelings that are negative, discouraging, or just not God. But we don't have to succumb to those. And the older we get and the follow Christ, I think the more we, like you, we spend less time allowing the enemy to mess with us. Yeah. You know, being at the gas station, I'm going to use this prop for a second. Here we go. Cars, cars always need to fill up unless you're an electric car, then you just need to charge. Um, but in the same way, spiritually, we like, there's never going to be a week that goes by that we don't need to fill up in some way where we start to get empty or we get to that end of the, the gas tank and we're like, man, I need to pull over and fill up. And like you said, finding those practical, healthy ways, whether it is obviously reading our Bible, praying, that's daily, spending time in worship, making sure that we've got all the right. I love your word on holiness that you shared on Instagram, making sure that we are pursuing holiness, not from a place of do's and don'ts, but from that place that you talked about in that, that whole clip of just knowing that I've been set apart to, to be set apart. Yes. And to, to understand what is holiness. And it's not just don't go to these movies, don't listen to this music, don't do bad stuff. But it really is pursuing God. And through that, we get filled yep. up. And then in the book, I talk about sometimes you do need to go see a counselor. Sometimes you do need to take a break from work or a break from your iPhone. Turn it off and don't be so distracted by social media. Like there's little practical things we can do to protect our mental and emotional health. I don't know if you got any words on that. No, no, just be intentional. I think that what I find so many times is people are just, they're just running through life and just life is happening to them rather than them happening to life. And just the lack of intentionality, just be intentional, be intentional about whatever you're, so, so for me, it's just that. It's that I want to be intentional. And so if I go see a counselor, if I, if I, if I get up early in the morning to pray, if I take time at, you know, to go work out, if I, if I, if I am surrounding myself with community, just be intentional. I think people just kind of let life go all over the place and they're not just stopping and saying, I'm going to be, I'm going to be intentional with my life. And I think that people, they feel they, this is the lie you got to break. They feel powerless and they feel like they're a victim. And so, which is a whole nother issue, but, but the issue is, is I just feel powerless. So what can I do? I just, I'm just powerless. What can I do? I feel overwhelmed. And so I'm just going to not do anything and go, no, take a step forward, (laughs) start moving toward, you're not powerless. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does God say, Hey, there's nothing I can do. And you're powerless. (laughs) It's the opposite message that we get. So just move forward, take a step forward. Lean in, have conversations with people, get some elders in your life that are pouring into you, (laughs) go to a counselor, just start moving forward and just don't stay in powerless mode. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Well, Hey, I want to just say this too, to everybody who's watching pastor banning Liebscher is such an awesome pastor, but he's also just a great friend. And you called me the week my book came out I, maybe in the day it came out just to see how i was doing just to see if my mind games were <laughs> during the book mind games coming out and you and then you encouraged me you told me a story about one of your books and a season you walked through <laughs> just, just the uh the reality of any person 
pursues a dream. And for people out there watching, like, look, we all have a dream in our heart. Maybe it's to write a song, maybe it's to release an album, maybe it's to write a book, start a business or start a ministry or I don't know, whatever that dream is. Um, and there's highs and lows. And I was so encouraged by, I told my wife, I was like, man, Banning called me and encouraged me a lot just around the whole thing of releasing something you've dreamed about for years. It finally comes out. And there are a lot of emotions because you're like hoping it's going to do amazing. And then there's the reality that it, it may do good, but it may not be everything you wanted it to do and how to, how to navigate those mind games uh, on the other side. You know, writing a book for everybody listening right now, writing a book is maybe one of the most vulnerable raw things I've ever done. And I, it's hard to describe, <laughs> but you're just like, here you go. And I feel like I'm completely naked and I'm giving you something. And it's, it's definitely like, <laughs> it's its own thing. Maybe some guys don't deal with it. Guys that are on some echelon somewhere that just, you know, everything they do is just unbelievable all the time. But, but for the rest of us, <laughs> it's raw and vulnerable. It really is. And I appreciate you speaking life and encouragement and just being a pastor to pastors. But hey, any last thought before we close out just around the book, the mind games, the topic or even, uh, life, just encouragement. to Yeah. Listen, listen, we're not on here just to promote and sell stuff, but I would get the book because at some level, that's the intentional that I'm talking about. Move towards growth. And so and I don't really honestly, I don't I, I don't. I don't care if you would say, hey, I'm really struggling right now. Or if you just say, I just want to continually get better and grow and get healthier. All of us are in a spot. Well, all of us face tough stuff. All of us are dealing with lies that are coming in the mind and different things that are happening. Uh, but whether, you, whether, you, whether you're like at a low point or whether you just want to get better and grow, that's why I think resources like this are so helpful. Man, thank you, Ben. Hey, do you have a new book coming out anytime uh, soon? Listen, I, I could show you a pile of, uh, notes I'm trying to compile together to, uh, but man, writing's hard too, man. Like you really have to go, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. So the answer is yes, but it's way, a ways off. You know how it goes. Like it's a ways off. I'm just now at the beginning of starting something again, but I'm dragging my feet. I, I can tell I'm dragging my feet a little bit because the level of commitment you have to do to jump in on that. But yes. All right. Last question. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? 49. Uh, it's not even a question, dude. The Niners. It's not even like. Listen. Last time the last time the Chiefs. Here's what I'm gonna tell anybody right now. Last time the Chiefs won beat beat the Niners, it was 2020, and we all know what happened right after they won. The world shut down. Oh, so no. oh. so so this year, so the Niners and Chiefs in 2020 played right in February, and then just a few weeks later, the world shuts down. This year, the Niners are going to win, and it's going to just, it's going to, revival's going to break out. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be redemptive. Rather than the world shutting down, rather than the world shutting down with a pandemic. Uh, so we're going to believe for that. We're believing for the Niners. Come on now. We're NorCal. Hey, but I do like that Brock Purdy is just like a sold out believer and just unashamed of the gospel. I love that. So we're all rooting for Mr. Irrelevant. I'm telling you right now, we're all in Northern California just. Come on, 6'2", Mr. Irrelevant Guy. <laughs> well, bro, I love you, and you got to yeah. come preach soon at Victory. Yeah. We are grateful for you for just all your friendship and your kindness. My and Oklahoma family. I love you guys. All right. All we'll right. Get... Thanks, Benny. Good again. All right, guys. Later, y'all. There you are, bro. You're in your car, too. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, man, I'm on, I'm on the run. Come on, man. 
How are you doing? I should have worn my hat too. I got my hat somewhere around here. I could have worn my hat backwards like you. There you go. Yeah, I, uh, so I'm preaching in uh, Mobile, Alabama. So there's a, there's a, a college ministry out of uh, Mars Hill Church here that uh, my wife and I have been coming every year, uh, every year and we do a purity conference where I'll preach and then I'll take the guys and she takes the girls. But um, since we've got a three week old, it's uh, I'm running solo this week. Come on, bro. Three week old. Okay. So for everyone who's watching today that does not know who Joshua Broom is, tell them a quick like snapshot who you are, how many kids you have, their ages, all that. Yeah, so my name is Joshua Broom. I live in Dallas, Texas, and I'm married to my wife, Hope. We've been married for about eight years, and we've got four boys. So uh, Cannon is five. Lincoln is almost four. His birthday is in like three weeks. Uh, we got two-year-old Judah, and then Abel was born a whopping three weeks ago. So uh, being someone who is called to preach the word in uh across the land it's it's a lot on my wife so she's a gift to me and she allows me to preach the word um all over so i did about 60 uh 61 events last year wow and it's it's been a blast but it's a it's a lot on my wife so hopefully uh you know with with the book coming out it'll, there'll be a lot of travel this year but hopefully next year it'll be about half of that come on man <laughs> yeah well, bro, I'm excited for your, your book. Okay, so tell everyone what the book title is. Yeah, so I I love the synergy between our books because it's really, you know, uh, Mind Games and uh, Seven Lies That Will Ruin Your Life. So se Seven Lies That Will Ruin Your Life, uh, it's really about the heart struggle that we have because um, your heart actually desires the things of this world, but the things of this world lead to emptiness and brokenness. So, um, yeah, so Seven Lies That Will Ruin Your Life, and it's really uh, – not about my story. My story is pretty radical. While you know, I was in uh, I was in the adult film industry for six plus years. Did over a thousand films. Had a lot of success there. Um, grew up in a fatherless home and really tried to uh, mitigate the the gap that I had uh, mentally and emotionally because I believed because I didn't have something, I needed to you know achieve something so that I could feel something. And that's the, a struggle that uh, a lot of us have, uh, specifically men. And, uh, man, uh, it's just amazing to see, you know, a, a guy that thought my life was over. I, I was certain of it. Um, you know, I, I left that industry 11 years ago after making a plan to take my life. God kind of met me in that space, ran from him and everyone for two years. And then I heard the gospel and uh, – you know, nine years ago, my life was radically changed. Uh, went to Liberty University, got a degree in Christian ministries, and got discipled. And God just started opening up doors, and I kept sharing the, you know, the that word of reconciliation that that transformed my life, that um, saved my life. So come on, it's a gift. Yeah, dude, I love your testimony, your story, and I love the connection with mind games and seven lies that will is it ruin your life yeah seven lies that'll ruin life because it is it's really about you know so if you believe a lie to be true it's it's really it, it's it's this mental battle while you know if you believe a lie to be true it becomes true to you and through that lie you create your own worldview and you're looking at yourself the world relationships you know you name it through a faulty lens so that i mean that's you know as, as a man thinketh he is you know so it's like man uh if if you believe lies that's your reality. 
happy and you create a world for you out of that. Yeah. 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 And that's what I talk about in the book too. In my own version of that whole thing, I talk about believing the lie of life is never going to get better. Things are going to get worse. God's finished with me. And then reversing that is truth. Hey, my best days are still yep. in front of me. God's yep. not finished with me yet. I do have a purpose. I'm here on purpose. So I kind of walk people through probably what you do in your book, getting renewed back to the truth. Like every day, today's Thursday, I was talking with a friend this morning. I had a meeting and we were talking about how we're in this season of life as parents where one day can feel like a week. Yeah. And so the next day and you're like, wait, that was yesterday? That feels like a week. <laughs> um, but when you're in when you're in a state of mind where you're overwhelmed with life, like thankfully we're not overwhelmed with life, we're just parents. But when you're in a state where you are overwhelmed and life feels so um, almost impossible to succeed and impossible to win, you can start believing like, man, uh, is things ever going to get better? Will I ever see light at the end of the tunnel? Um, and what I talk about in the book and probably in your book too is that the enemy wants us to believe there is no light. There's no end of the tunnel. It's only going to get worse. And that is such a lie because yeah. no matter how bad it gets, Jesus still has hope for every person out there. Yeah. And maybe talk a little bit about that in your own journey. Yeah. So for me, um, I grew up without a father. And um, so what, what was unique about my upbringing, because fatherlessness is unfortunately normative in uh, today's culture. But what, we, what was unique about my story was that um, while my father was not in my life or my home, uh, the small town in South Carolina that I grew up in, he was in that town. So I saw the thing that I didn't have, and I saw the thing that made me feel inadequate on a regular basis. Wow. And then, and, and then what, what honestly, what escalated it was that we were in a broken environment. Uh, my mom um, got married in when I was about seven. Um, so my mom had me when she was 16. So all this happened when she was 16. Uh, but she's amazing. My mom is amazing. Um, but growing up without a father, then, then me seeing him, and then him having the, like, not only being there and me wanting to, for him to be in my life, but then, you know, he gets married and he has, you know, uh, the white picket fence and the two, you know, the two and a half kids and uh, all the things, uh, and, and then I'm seeing this life that I don't have access to, and it makes me feel rejected, and because I feel less than, I operate, and I need to become more so I don't feel less than, and I, you know, this this takes me into, you know, pretty much any anything that you could do to it, receive affirmation, I was doing those things, um, good and bad, and um for me, I got to a place where, you know, I, I went, I was doing modeling and acting. I moved to Hollywood. I was having some success and I made one decision that changed the trajectory of my life. I, you know, I, I did one adult film, which just, you know, destroyed every avenue, everything that I'd been building. And all of a sudden I believed a lie that, well, because I did that, I have to continue doing that because it's so, you know, our mind tells us it's so much easier to compromise than to change. Mm. It's, it's so easy to stay stuck where you are um, because if you, because change in a positive way um, is always going to cost you something. Yeah. And for me, I believed, well, but because I was, 
because I felt less than um, because of my father and I did bad things, all of a sudden I was an invaluable bad person. So I might as well continue doing bad things. And uh, I, I was I was in that I was in the porn industry for six plus years. And then still this mindset, well, if I make enough money, if I become popular enough, if, if I, do, you know, you know, achieve this, uh, fix, you know, this fictitional, uh, this fictitious like version of, I, I talk a lot about fame um, because like fame is not like something tangible. It's not real. Like, so, because I was a long ago, if you, if you asked me like, what do you hope to accomplish? I would say I would want to be famous and famous is not something you can become because there's, it's not measurable. It's like, how, how much money equates to being famous? How many people need to know your name to be famous? So what you're really desiring, I want to be needed. I want to be known. I want to be seen. Um, so that's the journey I was on. And I, I achieved all those things. I made the money. I became famous. I did all the stuff that the world says that equates to satisfaction. That equates to joy. That equates to all these things. And when it didn't work, I was like, well, what's the point? Um, I, I, I love the way, like you, I, I've heard you talk about how, like, you know, that, that, in, that, that, uh, introspective conversation on the overpass. And for me, um, I was flying back from Atlanta to LA and I made a, a very detailed plan to take my life. And it was because I believed, um, uh, because like my biggest goal at the time was to become a father. I'm mm. um, not to, not to get a girl pregnant, but to be a father. Because I knew I, I did I didn't experience that, and I knew that that's what I wanted to become. Uh, so I wanted to become a father. I wanted to be a husband, and I wanted to use my creativity to impact people in a positive way. And I thought I lost access to all those things. And then um, I, I made a plan to take my life. And then there was God interceded through a person, and Ephesians three twenty is real. Is you know the the, the end of it like. Ephesians 3.20 is real, like God stands ready to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever hope or imagine. His plan for your life is not as good as you wish it would be, it's better. Because God made you, and if you align your gifts and talents and personality and charisma with what he wants you to do for his glory, not only will you be happy at the end of the day, but you'll be satisfied because you'll be doing the thing that God made you to do. And it's this, it's this struggle where it's like, I don't think I can do X, Y, and Z. But if you're playing mind games with, man, I, I'm comparing myself to the person my left or right, you can't even celebrate when you're winning. And, that, and this was that like cyclical plan that I was in. No matter what I had, it was never enough. I was never enough um, because I believed I was worthless because it was something I didn't have. So... Um, Man, when, when I gave my life to Jesus, um, that shame and guilt was removed, but it was a process. And for me, the, the book really, the, I would say the two things that the book highlights that I would love to talk about and that I would love to hear a perspective on this is two things. So this, this imitation version of intimacy, well, um, I, you know, obviously because I was in the, uh, the porn industry, I have a unique voice speaking into that um average age of exposure is eight years old and then you know you're talking about a hundred billion dollar industry you take nfl nba uh, major league baseball add them all together and you're still a billion dollars short of how much revenue that industry is making on a daily basis 
33% of all the data transferred on the internet is that type of content. So it's problematic. And I feel called to speak to people in the church because I think that the integrity gap that exists within the church and while we're not boldly proclaiming the gospel is that there's this shame and guilt that's holding us back from the capacity that God is calling us to step in. And um, like, that is my life calling. And I thought, like, okay, God saved me, so I've got to go back into chaos and save the people in the industry. But that was not what I was called to. So, like, I, I would say, um, I'll, I'll, I'll let I'll let you uh, I'll let you riff on that. But um, I would say that the greatest enemy of sin is you believe a lie. And in the book is about, well, I believed lies to be true, but there's truth. Um, you know, in a person, and he and he said, not a dot, not an iota of my word will pass away until it's all fulfilled. Uh, you can trust him, and if you if you trust him, then you you know, trust is born out of love. And if you understand that he loves you, and he loves you to the extent that he went to the cross and he died for you, and John fourteen fifteen says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. You'll see that God's word is a gift. It's a, it's a gate and a weapon. It protects you and it equips you, and it dismantles and destroys lies. And that's what I had to do. I had to, to dismantle and destroy lies, and that's what the book is about. Like, hey, this is a lie. I believed it. It, it impacted my life in this way. Here's what's true. Here's how I implemented this truth, and this is how there was applicable change in my life, and this is how you can apply it to your life as well. I love it. I, I, well, and I love so much of what you said. I think, one, everything that's happening in the world is also happening in the church. The difference in the church, we actually have the victory through Jesus Christ, through his word, Amen. through the cross, renewing of our minds. But but like you said, you know, you could have gone back in the industry. But God's called you to reach people in the church that are held captive by sin, by lust, by the lies of the enemy. And I love that you dig beneath the outward uh, behavior. Because when we look at someone who's living a life that we go, hey, that's not right, what they're doing or how they're living, there's always something deeper. And oh, yeah. the thing that I, you know, I went to counseling several times in my lifetime, but I remember going to sit with this a uh, retired pastor, him and his wife, and they're in their 70s, and they love pastors. They have a heart for pastors. And they said, um, something that I'll never forget, I share about this in the book, Mind Games, but they said, you can't bring the 100% like love and healing power and grace of God if you don't believe that he's done this for you, and you've fully allowed him to do that. And I was like, yeah, I know that but but they were digging beneath they were like somewhere in there you have a hard time believing that people are going to stay in your life because i talk about in one of my chapters the lie of the enemy that says i'm not good enough for people to stick around very long and i grew up as a pastor's kid where people would come and go out of our church you know a family would be there for five years they would leave switch to another church and i always took it personal um even if my parents didn't take it personal i took it personal and so then I had this feeling of like, who's going to leave me next? Like, who's who's getting fed up with Paul and who's just unhappy with Paul's performance as a human being? Like I was felt like I was always doing tryouts, auditions to right. 
liked me and how long they would stick around in life. And I remember just listening to this pastor, a uh, retired pastor, counselor, and like a therapist speaking into my life. Like, you need to believe, one, that you're worthy. You're worthy of the love of God, the love of people, and you don't need to be chasing their approval to feel worthy or to feel good enough. And that's the deeper lie. Like what causes the behavior that you're talking about is the bigger problem than the actual behavior. Because we can treat surface level behavior, but if we don't deal with the lie, that becomes out in another way, a different category, a different year in our life. So I think going after that lie of the enemy is so important, dismantling it, destroying it, but also identifying it. it what is this lie that you're believing? You're not enough. You're not loved. You can't be loved. You're not worthy for people to stay in your life. Like whatever these lies we believe, they drive us to do things that we're not proud of, or they lead to just us pushing people away that actually do love us, and we don't know how to receive their love. So I love that you're talking talking about that. I think your book and Mind Games, my book, they're definitely, it's awesome that we're also connected to the same publisher. Yeah. Uh, words. I think, you know, I love that we're talking about this because more people do need to understand what's causing, what's causing the emotional health problems. And if we do win on the inside, we can win on the outside. If we can dismantle the lies on the inside and start believing the truth, then we can start living the truth on the outside and stop living the lies of the enemy. You want to say any other thoughts on that? Any other words? Yeah. On yeah. I mean, I would say, I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it is our nature to, you know, to, to question God. And, you know, if, if that leads us to a place to, to dig for his truth, uh, it's, it's a good thing, but if it leads us to believe that we can create our own autonomy and we, and we get back to the garden saying, did God really say, um, then that's the place that leads us into darkness. But I mean, to your point, it's like, man, how do I eradicate a behavior or, you know, a thought process from my life that I want to change? Um, I can't just man up, you know, I can't, uh, just do enough of the good things where, um, I, I change that the way that I used to say it is, um, for me, you know, I did a lot of things that I wasn't proud of. So I thought, well, if I put enough good dirt on my bad dirt, I won't feel dirty, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's like we, we have this heart issue and it's like, um, you know, like when, when Jesus is talking about if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Yeah. Uh, he, he's he's always always like it always goes back to the heart and there's there's never ever in a, a time in the existence of man that you you can fix an external problem by an external means it's always internal he always goes back to the heart you know always goes back to you know ezekiel saying like i'll give you i'll give you a new heart and, and that's and that's the thing that we need to strive for but I would just say, um, we we all are like really we're all de just like desiring of love. We all we were made, you know, by love to be loved by the one who made us. And I think we try to fill that gap with any and everything we can. And and that's you know that's the enemy's plan A, B, and C to to kill, steal, and destroy, um, <laughs> specifically the believer. Because the, you know, on the latter part of that verse, the abundance that Jesus offers, the way that, you know, the, the father of lies is trying to distract you from that is to get you to believe 
that you are less than, that people are not going to stick around for you, that you're not worth loving, that you're not capable of loving, and that always stems from a wrong thought process. And that it's even deeper than that because it's your it's your why. Your why will always drive your what. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's so it's like if you want to you know remove a behavior from your life. Like, yeah, there's this neuroscience around the habitualness of your behavior, but the root of why do I do the thing? You know, it's that uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of neuroscience around just like like cognitive dissonance, you know, which, you know, and if we're talking, you know, theological terms, it's Romans seven. Why do I do the thing that I ought not do? You know, why do I why do I struggle to do the things that I want to do? Yet I find myself doing the thing I don't want to do. Like, why do I do that? Why do I know two things to be true? And simultaneously, I'm operating like I'm a walking contradiction. Like, why do I do it? Um, because we're in this struggle with our flesh. And if, if we didn't struggle, if we didn't doubt, if we didn't, you know, we're, we, we are, you know, uh, we've got this sin problem. And it's a gift that we've got Jesus to lean on. Um, but we have to lean on. We can't fix ourselves. We can't rely on our flesh. We can't rely on um, doing enough good things to make us good. Um, it's like, man, the intimacy that you desire is in the presence of God. And I would just say the last thing. It's like, you know, something I say often. It like normally it people just go crazy about it. But like, if you pull, I pull like ten thousand people. I said. Um, I say intimacy was the first word that comes to mind. 91% of people said sex. Mm. But sex is not exclusively intimacy. In- intimacy is proximity to God. And in- until, you, if, until you understand that that's the thing that your heart longs for the most, you'll be dissatisfied in every area of your life. So good, Joshua. Bro, you're full of wisdom and love. Share. I can't wait for your book. When does your book officially come out? March 5th. So, uh, like, yeah, I think yesterday was, like, the official, like, 30-day. Man, so, uh, I, so I'm so i in Mobile, um, Alabama for, for – I, I come back tomorrow. But, of course, I leave, and my wife FaceTimes me. She's like, look. And there was, like, three boxes of books, like, at, at our house. I was like, no. But I was like, I can't wait to get home. She was like, do you want me to open them? I was like, no way, because our kids will, like. Who knows? They'll they'll become coloring books. <laughs> yeah, my kids have already like, not all of them, but one of them in particular got the book and just started like writing on top. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, God. But no, that's awesome, man. I'm so pumped for you. It's your first book, right? First yeah, yeah. Any, God's gonna give you more and more. You're based out of Dallas. How do people find like your book, your content? Where do they go? Yeah, so um, on all platforms, um, I am Joshua Broom is uh, my handles on everything. Uh, if it's not verified, it's not me. There's hundreds and hundreds of fake ones. Uh, so that if, there, if it's not verified, it is not me. And uh, if if you want uh, me to come speak at your event or want to connect with me, send me an email or anything like that, um, joshuabroom.me is my website. So um, speaking schedule reaching out to me, events, all that good stuff. Come on, bro. I'm excited. We're going to stay connected. We'll we'll continue to find ways to just engage and interact with each other and, and you speak here and different stuff like that. But Joshua, first out, oh, here's kind of a total non-serious question. 
are you uh, a fan of either teams that are in the Super Bowl right now? Man, so uh, I've always liked – so my, my uncle um, was, like, the closest thing to, like, uh, a best friend and, like, somewhat of a father figure. And he was a huge, huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. Okay. And I, pre- I prefaced that by saying growing up in South Carolina, you know, there, there's no team there. And then there were, eventually there was the Carolina Panthers. But in South Carolina, the practice facility is there. That's not the same. Right? There might as well be North Carolina Panthers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because, and it's in Rock Hill, which is on the state line. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, it's it's tough. So it's like, man, you got to love Mahomes. You, you got to love Kelsey. You got to love that defense for the first time. Like, it's incredible defense. Um but man, Brock Purdy loves the Lord. Come on, man. I love, love Brock Purdy. The Lord. Like, there's people who identify as Christians, and there's people who act like Christians, and uh, so it's like, man, I, I hope most of those players know the Lord, and they come to know the Lord because of the ones who do. Um, but man, when you, when you think about like someone who is an ambassador for Christ, someone who's a carrier of that word of reconciliation, uh, I, I've seen a ton of content with uh, with Brock Purdy. So it's like I can't not root for him, even though uh, my 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 wife is a Hawkeye. So she went to Iowa. He went to Iowa State. So bitter rivals. Um, but George Kittle is a Hawkeye. So uh, as long as he's throwing to him. So I, I'm going to say uh, my prediction, 49ers, 24-21. Uh, but I wouldn't be mad if uh, KC won either. <laughs> okay. Well, man. Love you. I'm I'm excited for you. And even though we've never met in person, I love that we get to connect on here on social media. And man, uh, whenever you run into people who are just in need of winning that battle in their mind, share the book, mind games with them. I feel like your book, my book, both of them can help a lot of people out there to win on the inside. And I, I love just that you reached out to me and you were like, dude, I think our books are so in alignment with each other. Um, and I love that you piece that together. You, I can tell that you are thinking in the whole context of kingdom connection yeah. How, guys people out there i want to just say this before we close out people who are listening watching you said something that i thought was really good you said uh, most of the great uh impact i've seen has come through collaboration has come working together with other people and and recognizing just that we can both reach people and so i'm sitting in the home depot parking lot and i have home depot employees coming my way towards the car uh, I have another meeting here in like 15 minutes. So I got to let you go, but I love you, man. And it was so good talking with you. And for everyone who's watching, listening online, go check out Joshua's new book. Go check out Mind Games, Seven Lies That Could Ruin Your Life. And let's win this year. Much love. Thank you, Joshua. Love you, bro. All right, later.